right, guys. Welcome to Brolosophy. And here's a word from the companies that support Brolosophy. So um, we are proudly supported today by Yeti. Yeti are a premium outdoor brand that are starting to make some serious noise in Australia. They've created a new standard for coolers with two hard cooler models, the Tundra and the Rhodey, and they are at the forefront of, uh, of Yeti's mission. Basically born out of frustration with coolers that cracked, caved and gave up, Yeti has set out to improve three main elements, durability, extended ice retention and weather resistance. Yeti basically, guys, is the best in the world at what they do. And we like partnering with companies that are the best in the world at what they do. So if you want some premium drinkware, some premium outdoor cooler accessories for um, for your summer, for your holidays, for your um, caravanning adventure, whatever that is, then you can find that at Yeti. So head to yeti.com.au forward slash bro to check out their range and you'll not be disappointed. Also guys, head to trueprotein.com.au and you'll find Australia's greatest supplement company. Friends of ours for a very long time. True Protein are amazing. They support us. Uh, they support us, and we support them by sending people across for you know all of their supplement needs. So premium protein powders, weight proteins, vegan proteins, meal replacement stuff, post workout. You know, blah blah blah. All the good stuff. Um, carbohydrate blends, oat blends. Yeah, they got it all. Um, Really like the guys at True Protein. Uh, I am someone who cycles on and off protein, creatine, amino acids, fish oils, you know, so on and so forth. But when I am training hard and when I am using supplements, I'll always use True Protein. So check out trueprotein.com.au. Use the code BRO and you will receive 10% off. <laughs> Lastly, we are brought to you by Athena. So guys, with Athena, basically what we do is we support small business. So if you're a small business and you're looking to try and expand your team, try and do more things, try and help more people, try and grow your business, then we can really help you to do that because in small business, it's not always accessible for someone to hire a really talented staff member in their local country, especially in Australia and New Zealand and America and the UK, You know, most of the places that we have most of our listeners. So we go and we recruit people from underprivileged countries um, such as the Philippines and such as Venezuela. Argentina has gone through a bit of a rough trot economically. We support a lot of people in Venezuela, in Argentina and we get absolutely incredible people for a really cost-effective solution. So at Athena, we have three directors. We're all in Australia and then we have eight team members all abroad and all absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, the world is a lot smaller than it used to be. So remote work is, is pretty easy to manage. We have... Um, Aaron, who's IT and tech. We have Vicky. She's our social media manager. We have Ricardo, who's our community manager. Mike's in business development. Ed, graphic design. Jose, accounts. Yarn, recruitment. And Matthias, podcast production. So everyone that I mentioned there, <coughs> they're all absolute A-grade all-star players. And they're all in Venezuela, Argentina, Peru, and the Philippines. So We've been able to rapidly scale our business by using our own platform and using our own service and using our own talent and we can help you do it too. So if you want to check out what we do, head to athena.co, that's Athena with a Y and when you go to inquire, use the code BRO and you'll get 20 hours free of our virtual assistant services. Here's the show. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. 
I'm here with Justin Peckett, um, ex-AFL footballer. So what did you play, 16, 18 years? Roughly, yeah, I was at the club from 1989 as a 16-year-old through to retiring around 34, yeah. 2006. So a big chunk of... Yeah, at the one life. club. Yeah, institutionalised a little bit. Classic, it's isn't it? Like that. Oh, mate, I've watched so many of your... Uh, I've watched so much footy with you running around for sure. Um, VHS tapes. <laughs> yeah, they are now. Yeah, yeah black and white ones yeah. in the early days. Um yeah, so um, Justin, but we'll talk heaps more about. We'll talk about your career, and um, and obviously, I'm really interested in what you're doing now. Um, but tell, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, background, upbringing, like who is Justin Peckett? <laughs> um, well, Melbourne born and bred, so yep. I grew up um, down towards the peninsula, Frankston boy. Yep. Um, had uh, young parents, so my dad, who came out from England as a maybe a nine or ten year old mm-hmm. um he was uh, uh 18 or 19 oh yeah my mum was 16 yeah right so grew up in a what i like to think is a groovy uh, young <laughs> uh, household so um a lot of parties went, went to bed often with you know music blaring in the lounge <laughs> yeah. room and lots of people in the house yeah, so, yeah. um but had a great childhood got a younger sister lucy um four years younger than me um yeah, so I grew up in Frankston, great childhood, really close to my grandparents, um, uh, spent a lot of time at the beach, mm-hmm. uh, playing sport, was always encouraged. My dad wasn't great at sport, mm-hmm. um, uh, but for some reason he was pretty passionate about sport, and so yep. got me uh, and, and Lucy involved in sport really early. Um, spent probably 20-odd years living in Frankston. Um, my dad died in a car accident when I was oh, 18, shit. so oh, no. that was actually the weekend of my 18th birthday. I went out for dinner oh. on Friday night, and... Uh, Left dinner, family dinner um, in Frankston and then went and met my mates down at the Darva Hotel. Um, I know the Darva. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the police knocked on the door on a Sunday morning at 3am. So the old man had um, had a few too many um, at the ESPY on a Sunday. Oh, was a bit of a rat bag, a bit of a rock and roller and um, yep. took a few risks, drink driving and um, hit a tree. So oh, thankfully didn't hit anyone else. Um, but he was only 36. Yeah. And I was 18, my sister was uh, 14, so that, that, that was pretty significant. But, um, you know, life goes on and, uh, yeah, I've grown up and got married and got seven kids of my own. And Seven uh, kids? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, on the extreme end, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. so um, and my mum remarried and, um, yeah, I've got a younger brother now, Jordan, who's, um, he's 21, I think. So he's a bit younger. So we've got, a, we've got an interesting family tree. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, I've got kids. My oldest is 28. Yeah, yeah. second oldest is 20, nearly 24. And then you've got Jordan, who's the uncle, who's 21. <laughs> yeah. Um, the kids are like, hang on a sec, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> Trying to figure it all out. So, um, so yeah, look, uh, obviously then played footy. Um, <clears throat> 
went to Kringle High School, which has now been torn down. I think mm-hmm. they tore it down after we left in, in year 12. <laughs> yeah, you can claim that you tore it down. Yeah, though, that's yeah, the way. That's, yeah, we're as a badge of honour. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so went to St Kilda as a young age. I was in year 11, under 16s, and loved my footy and um, played footy at Kringle on my juniors there and um, did some study while I was playing at Saints. Um, always worked part-time, so I've, you know, even, you know, back then, my, I think my... My first real paycheck. Well, back then it was under 19s. You got, th- I think it was 30 bucks a game. And yeah. Seniors was 250 bucks. Sorry. Got a pie and coke. Got a pie and coke as well after the after the game. Seniors <laughs> 750 a game. And um, I remember in 1990, I think it was 1994. I played a sort of a full season. Yeah. And uh, missed two games with injury. Had a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, I think I finished runner up in the BNF. Yeah. Um, Took home a, a check for eight thousand dollars for the year <laughs> after tax. That's cool. Uh, bought man. myself a huge stereo um, <laughs> with that money. So I've always worked and always yeah. had a part-time jobs. So yeah. um, um, finished footy and then joined leading team. So that's sort of yeah. You know, that was back to full-time two thousand seven when I joined leading teams and uh, been there ever since. Yep. Oh, well, you've given me plenty to um plenty <laughs> plenty to, to go off there, but no um so. <clears throat> Well, I mean, I guess the biggest thing that you mentioned in, in, in that, you know, intro of yourself is obviously your old man passing away. Um, <clears throat> and being an 18-year-old kid, you know, obviously pretty talented footballer. And, and I, you know, I've been 18. We've all been, you know, we're all going to hopefully be 18 and, and pass out stage. And everybody knows it's been 18 what that time in your life is like. Mm. I grew up on the bottom of the Moynton Peninsula. You grew up on the top end, you know. I was hanging around some pretty loose crew and, you know, partying my face off and all that kind of kind of business. So for you, like losing your old man at that point, um, what was that like for an 18-year-old kid losing you? You, you seem like you were cl- pretty close with your dad. You talk about him pretty fondly, I can tell. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I had a great childhood. My dad was yep. a really, um, he was a hard worker. He was a good man, but yep. you know, made some poor choices, yep. which cost him. Um, oh, I was really <laughs> tough. Uh, yeah. It hit me like a ton of bricks, as it obviously my mum. She was mm. only young as well, and mm. had two um, kids, and um, so I, I was probably already a little bit loose at yeah. that age, anyway. But yeah. you're a Frankston boy. I was a Frankston boy, <laughs> so again, badge of honour. But um, but I look, I went off the rails. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. And so you know, you, in those days, you grew up in a footy club. There's lots of alcohol around, and mm. so it's it was part of the culture and all those sorts of things. And so I I sort of turned to, the, to to beer a fair bit and it became a bit of a priority for me. Yep. Um, and so I started really, it was almost a case of history repeating itself. So risky behaviour, you know, drink driving, yep. you know, all that sort of stuff. And even though, you know, someone was like, hang on, your old man died in a car accident, hit mm. a tree because of drink driving, why, why would you do the same? And, you know, you look back and go, yeah, it's silly, but it was just what I was doing at that point in yep. time. And I was probably going to do it until potentially something significant happened to me. Mm. Um so yeah, it wasn't a great time. I had close mates who really, um, you know, got around me, and you know, it affected my relationships with my mum and, mm. and my sister and, and some other people that were close to me. But um, yeah, I didn't handle it well. Yeah. And, and as a young man, you know, you don't talk about it a lot. It was difficult yeah. for my mum. Was e- it was easier for my mum to to probably deal with my sister because you know she's a 13, 14 year old girl and yeah. I'm an eighteen year old. Yeah, you're a kind of man. independent. You try <laughs> yeah. to you. Well, you are, and you're probably wanting to be. Yeah. You know, especially with your old lady around, you, yeah. you're like, Mum, I got you know, I'm 
on my own, man. Yeah, you would have been a lot bit more difficult to deal with than I was a lot sister, more difficult to deal with. For sure, yeah. I'd imagine. And so um, I, I remember uh, just recently I'm sort of talking to my wife, Teresa, about some of that stuff and yeah, mum just wanted to put her arms around me but didn't feel she could because I was yeah. so, yeah. I don't know, stoic or I was just, you know, I'll be Closed right, off. You know, closed yeah. off, yeah. shutting down, yeah. that sort of thing. So. It's only, well, well, well that, that would have been, well, that would have been 25, 25 years ago, 20, 20 25 years ago, uh, something like that. What was, yeah, so... Um, so I was 18. What am I now? 47. Yeah. Turning 48 this year. Yeah. I wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> but um, pretty much 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. but even 30 years ago, like a, a young bloke like yourself, and you're obviously an elite footy player and, you know, kind of the alpha male, for, for lack of a better term, of growing up. So, because I, I, my grandfather dealt with depression all his life, and I've talked to my nan about it on countless occasions, because I go up and down and things, you know, hit me for six and, and whatever. And But... Uh, Nowadays, you know, it's much easier to open up and talk about how you're going and, and to, even to your friends and to your mum, obviously, and your family, but to your friends, I feel like, and to the general populace, where even, and my grandpa's in a generation again before where he couldn't open up about it at all or he yep. would have been looked down on, no one would have done business with him, like yep. all this stuff. And I reckon 30 years ago, it would have still been quite similar because yep. that stigma of like mental health and opening up and, and, and talking, really, in bloody 1990, that was... It was not a thing that you'd you'd. Did you feel like that? You do um, you agree there or? Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't talk much at all um, about it, and I haven't. I reflected on a, a lot. I was always thinking about it, but yeah. I, I kept it pretty close. And there was moments. It's interesting when you do then reflect, and there's some people around me that were a bit you know wiser than me and could could you know read the signs or whatever it might be. I I remember so. Um, you know, October it happened. My birthday's in October. Sort of end of season footy. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd go on our footy trips and, mm-hmm. and I hadn't really connected the dots, but I, I generally had meltdowns yeah. around that time. So again, yeah. with alcohol, but you're having a yeah. good time with your mates, you're going overseas, wherever it mm-hmm. might be. But there'd be times in that in that window where I was having a meltdown yeah. um, and some people around me could see that and would do their best to try and help me through that. But mm-hmm. um, certainly no sitting down and really talking about how I f- really yeah. felt. Mm. Um I remember, I remember walking around in a bit of a daze not long after that. You know, my dad died, and I was, I was in the I was at the Kringle Hub Shopping Centre walking yeah, yeah. around. I don't know what I was doing. I just had to get out of the house, and I was just walking around. I was in a bit of a daze, and this guy came up to me, and um, you know, he was connected to the football club. He was an older guy, and he, he knew my dad, and, and he just said to me, "We're just talking matter of factly," and he, he sort of said, "Well, fuck, shit happens." Mm. And I, I took offence at that at the time yeah. because my old man had just died, and and I've actually. Rightly or wrongly, I've almost used that since then yeah. to get through it. You know, yeah. Shit happens, yeah. and, you, and you've got to. There's nothing you can up. do about it. You've got to, you've got yeah. to keep going. Yeah. Well, you don't have to. You can make a choice around how you how you do that. But I just thought, you know what? Um, you know, I want to be a great dad. I want to do all this. Yeah. You know. And I remember reflecting when I turned 36, and I've got kids. I'm thinking, wow, 36 is young. Yeah, oh, man, I'm like, 34. It's really young. Just turned, turned 34 just yeah. the other day, and I'm a child, mate. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you, you know, are. really. Um, yeah, no, it's a f- horrible thing to for anyone to ever go through I couldn't even imagine it um, so you said you went off the rails like I'm you know obviously you're trying to carve out a career for yourself footy wise and I know what footy clubs are like I played footy from 7 years old to 27 um, and they can be if you want to party and, and, and you know they can be a real breeding ground for that kind of culture and just riding yourself off every weekend and benders and, and so on and so forth but how did you you said you went off the rails how did you kind of get back on the rails, would you yeah, say? Yeah, um, combination of things. Some, 
sometimes the light sort of comes on for people at different stages and mm-hmm. I, so there's a bit of maturity in it a bit of yep. again a lot of reflecting um some core people around me that you know don't give up they chip away they chip yeah. away um you start to listen a little bit more mm-hmm. um you can start to see the impact of your behavior you know i again history repeating myself you know i had a car accident a number of years ago um on the booze uh, a morning after being on the booze yep. you know um could have could have been really um uh, extremely <laughs> um tough for the people that were involved in the accident it could have been extreme it could have you mm-hmm. know had a worst case scenario it didn't yep um and so part of me sort of felt that, that was something that that was almost right i'm done enough's enough yep. and so you know i got counseling which i'd never had before mm-hmm. so again having to talk about it mm-hmm. understanding and unpacking why you might behave a certain way and why you make some some of these choices so it was a combination of me waking up but also having a, a key moment there with the accident yeah. as well um you know there's times before that from when my dad died to when i had my accident um reckless behavior and not really worried about the consequences mm. not worried if i was to live or die and mm. you know all that sort of stuff mm. um but obviously there's something inside that just every now and then you just make the right choice to yeah wouldn't mean you'd make four or five in a row but you'd make enough just to get you back yeah yeah yeah. and then you might you know oh, definitely. slip back again but definitely yeah, you just start to get a bit of momentum. You start to see the impact of making better choices. Uh, you realise that your career is important to you from mm-hmm. a football perspective. You realise that your relationships are important. You realise that you want to be a great dad and yeah. you can't be a great dad if you're hungover lying on the couch or, yeah, yeah. or you're dead or all those oh, sorts of things. Sure. So that all starts to build up. Um, and plus, yeah, the help that you get and that you need. And and I'm a firm believer in, you know, you can't force it. Um, people need to be open to. And, and there's long, it's, there was nothing anyone else was going to be able to do really until yeah. I'd... Figured it out for yourself, yeah, and um, wanted to wanted to progress, yeah, and, I guess. and and potentially there's a bit of luck involved because you you you, you engage in risky behaviour, you might not, you know, live through it. Oh yeah, but if you live through it uh, and then have those realisations and then have the people around you and then you're ready to to be helped, then um, you get the benefit of that. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the, everything that you said there is very very. Uh, I understand it quite well. You know, I I think my my mates, myself, and my friendship group really towed the line of you know a few steps in the wrong direction and really snowballing and we did some of us you know i've had mates in rehab and mates died in car accidents and john mccarthy was one of my mates he fucking died on footy trip and you know like and i could have killed myself 20 times i tried to do a backflip on a dance floor one night pissed and split my head open and got rushed to the rushed to hospital told my mum and dad i was suspected brain damage and um paralyzed and like you know and i woke up no worries like oh we've all i, I know it i feel like i know yeah, what you're yeah. talking about and it is really a fine a fine line i think that you can get you can just enjoy yourself way too much as a as a young aussie male i feel like we're oh, terrible well we're invincible <laughs> if the consequences aren't dire enough you go oh well i got away with that one yeah and you go again and you go again until the consequences are dying after you go, hang on now I've got to stop or I've got to change or yeah. I'll end up like some of my mates or I'll end up like my dad or I'll end up with a, a rubbish career. I'll end up... And, and yeah. until you're mature enough and you've gone through some of those experiences. So, so I... Yeah, I've had my time again. I'd make different choices. Mm. Um, but I am who I am today, right here now, on the back of all the choices I've made, yeah. good and bad. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm in a pretty good spot. Yeah, no, so, that's good. Uh, I, you know, I could take back a lot of stuff, but I just... I reckon if... Hindsight's a wonderful thing, you know. If I had a rerun of it all and I and I wasn't 
as mature as I am now, I'd probably do all the same shit, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the fact is, some of it, yeah, I mean, you're having fun. Oh, yeah. So, why would you change? And I think one of the things that you said there was, um, you would do, you would go, oh, I got away with it, I got away with it, I got away with it. Me and my mates one day would drink driving down from Rye to the Connie in Sereno. Yeah. And so we'd been like, the Connie's 1 a.m. 1 so we'd been at a, just at a house or whatever, drinking beers at our place. And there was four or five boys in the car. And, um, and I had my mate, my mate was sitting in the front seat with me. I was driving drunk and I, we had three mates in the back and they were all quiet. And my mate's like, oh, we've got to fire the boys up. He, he, climbed, he goes, watch this. He climbed out the window and onto the bonnet while we are driving. Mm. And I drove him to Sereno fucking pub. Mm. Like, and then that stuff, at the time, because I was taking plenty of drugs, drinking plenty of booze, all that stuff. It was like a pissing contest mm. where like that was what me and my mate Roisy did one weekend. So like, you know, another mate of mine had come up with a, with a, yeah, with yeah. a wilder story. It really became like an ego thing of like, yeah. how loose can we get, you yep. know? Yep. And, um, and it, yeah, like, oh, yeah, people fuck themselves up doing lots less ridiculous shit than that all the time. So yeah, we, we were definitely lucky. And I think, um, yeah, I probably started to grow out of it a little bit when I was probably 26, 27, I reckon. I had a few um, things going on with like party drugs and, and what have you. And I just I just couldn't... The days were so hard in my life, you know? Mm. I was like, fuck this. I'm really making just Monday to Friday really difficult for yep. myself, yep. you know, at the yep. moment. And I'm never going to go anywhere just with this mindset. I'm just... I can't have... By Thursday, Friday, I'd feel great. But I'm like, I'm giving away five out of seven days of my week to feel really... to be partying or to be and then four or five days to be feeling well below par yeah sharp you know yep. motivated just wellness general wellness yeah. how you feel in the day and yep. that's really all you got like if you feel if you got nothing else going for you and you feel fucking awesome in the day and you're walking with a pep in your step yep. who cares yep. you know that's the most important thing and that was all down the drain you know just for just for partying too much and I, yeah i think yeah it's a it's a tough one for um but we have it just as such a like australians young australian males in particular Man, we've got a binge drinking. Like we, we're insane. We got a bad yep. problem with that kind of culture, and I, I don't know what we do. Like it's, you said, you know, history repeating itself, and my dad was the same, you know, and, yep. and all his mates, and it's just perpetually kind of, it's a tough one, I reckon. It is. I don't know what the answer is, but nah. um, I've got five boys and two girls, and uh, you know, um, well. You, one of my young fellas turned 18 a, a few weeks ago and we had an 18th in our backyard and it was it was fantastic. Kids were great. There's 50 or 60 of his mates and um, some of our family and friends and well-behaved. I mean, you know, um, there, there was alcohol there and but they were okay, but still, y you look at it and go, well, that's what we did. Yeah. But, but then you don't see yeah, what, happens, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. what happens next. And, yeah, that's you know, right. It's going to happen forever. Mm. It's just trying to educate them supporting them and hoping that you've done enough where they'll it's tough to make a good decision after you've had half a dozen 100%, stubbies 100 um but if you can educate them and that's all i'm trying to do with my boys is is to be open honest and here's sort of some of the stuff that i've done and yeah this is the consequences it's real and yeah every day you're reading the paper about someone and yep. and, and trying to get them to understand that it's real that it can happen to them and yeah. these people didn't think it would but it did yeah, yeah. um so you educate them you put your arms around them you you you, you create some boundaries for them 
Um, but at the end of the day, they're going to make their own decisions once they've become adults. Mm. And um, you just got to hope that they make more good ones than ordinary ones. Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah, no, that's all you can do. Um, so I want to just transition into your, into your career for a second. Um, you got a nickname? You go Justin Pe- Peck? Like, what, do you, what do you get called? <laughs> I got a, yeah, so... Um, from primary school, I got the nickname. Don't ask me how. I don't know how I got it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I got the nickname in primary school, Frankie. Frankie. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. And so I've still got it. Yeah, yeah. So it's followed me everywhere I've gone. <laughs> um, people used to go to, uh, to my mum after a game of football and say, oh, gee, Frank played a good game. <laughs> and mum would say, Frank? Yeah, Frank. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Frankie. Oh, right, yeah, Justin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so I've had that forever. Um, um, I've had plane tickets with Frankie Peckett on it. <laughs> you know, my banners had Frankie Peckett on it. Yeah, yeah. So people have made assumptions that my name at times is Frank or yeah, my yeah. name is Frankie. But um, I've tried to pass it on. So my youngest daughter, um, who's 10, her, her name's Frankie. Yeah, so oh, really? She, she's got my nickname. Yeah, nickname, classic. So, um, classic. It'll stay in the family at least. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, yeah right, I'll call you Frankie then. But um, but your career as a... as a Like, let's talk about the, the real meat of your career when you were playing high level high sport most popular sport in the country um every every young bloke's dream really you know for most of the young kids growing up in australia um certainly was my dream um yeah what was that like what was that like being on the big stage and you know playing with your mates and in 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 the highest code in the in the country what was that like for 20 years that was awesome as you said it's it's your dream and I, i was a bit naive when i was young because I just assumed that's what everyone did. You, you yeah. played your junior footy, then you went and you played at, at, at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had, a, I, had a, I guess, a deep-held belief that I would play AFL football. I was yep. never the best player in my team. I always mm-hmm. played outside my age group, so the guys mm-hmm. were bigger and stronger and all yep. that sort of stuff. Um, my whole family barracked for St Kilda. We were St Kilda members. We used to go to Rabin each week. Oh, really? So I got photos as a young kid with you know a St Kilda jumper on with number one on the back. Far out. Ten years of age. Who was number one? Trevor Barker. Oh, yeah, Trevor Barker, um, yeah. You know, so to then get an invite, I got asked to come up and train just one one night a week with the under nineteens mm-hmm. when I was playing under seventeens at Karingal. Yep. And I just said, "Oh, well, how how many nights do you train?" They said, "Oh, we train three nights a week." So, well, can I just train three nights a week? And they <laughs> said, "Oh, well, yeah, you can if you want, but yeah. we're not guaranteeing you a game." Yeah. This yeah. Is halfway through the year in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Um, so I said to Karingal, "Look, I'm just going to go and train there, and if I don't get a game, I'm still playing at Karingal." Yep. Um, anyway, a week later, I got a game in the under-19s. I had injuries, so they mm-hmm. played. And then I played the remainder of that year with them. And I, I was just stoked because yeah. this is St Kilda Football Club. I've grown up barracking for them. Um, and then to progress to reserves and then seniors, it's the same thing. These are guys you've been watching on TV, you've been reading about, you've been um, watching from afar in the stands. And then to be able to to be in the same environment as them mm-hmm. um, was just brilliant. Yeah, And then... You know, you love playing footy and it's something that you can do that turns into a full-time job, like anything, anything that you're passionate about that mm-hmm. can be a full-time job. It's not really a job. It's not really work. It, it's hard and you yeah. have the ups and downs that are associated with it, but at the end of the day, you're playing footy. Oh, you're kicking the ball around. You're hanging out 100%. with guys your age. Um, you share experiences. You're working on your fitness and your body. It's a pretty selfish sort of pursuit. Even oh, though, yeah. Um, Great for summers. It was, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, yeah, I've got kids who love their footy and if they want to pursue it, fantastic. But um, at the end of the day, as I said, anything that you're passionate about. I mean, running out in the MCG is just an amazing feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's just, 
you know, it, it's just, you can't describe it. It's I was just, able to do it once, actually. Oh, there you go. I, I played uh, in the state grand final yep. with um, Padra. I went to Padra. Yeah, okay. And uh, every one of the boys I played with had played like Stingrays or um, equivalent, yep. pretty much. And we were, a, we were a good team. Yeah. We were really good. We would have we flogged any local footy team nearly yep. in, the, in the state when we, when we were about 23, 24. The Padra Seahawks. And yeah, oh, that was, the one, that was my... I remember lining up next to this bloke. We played um, Sunbury High School. Yeah. And um, they actually pumped us. Yeah. They were better than us. And I remember I was, was playing on the wing and it started raining. And uh, it was right before St Kilda Hawthorne. It was, it was before a St Kilda game. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was St Kilda Hawthorne. Anyway, I remember standing next to this bloke and we started bumping each other on the wing. It's the start of the third quarter. And then we're kind of like roughing each other up. And then the bloke laughed. He had a little giggle. But I could tell it wasn't like a, he wasn't having a crack or like... And, and I, and I kind of looked at him and he goes, he goes, mate, do you think of a fuck who wins? <laughs> and I said, no, nah, mate, we're playing on the G. Yeah. And then he ran in and, yeah. oh, it was great. So, and yeah. you got to do that every day. So, um, you know, well, you know, every week. So it's yeah. bloody awesome. Um, one thing I want to ask you though is, um, so you said like, because I remember you, I, I used to watch footy. I don't really watch any footy anymore, to be honest. But I was like, footy, 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 yeah. you know. And um, you used to watch plenty of games. I've watched you play shitloads of football. And I remember you having good skills, but you could tell you're a hard worker. You're a, you're a, you kind of, you played a lot of lockdown footy and like real tough kind of footy. Would you say is that fair? Uh, tough. Don't know about <laughs> tough, but um, <laughs> well, you know, I came in. Again, I sound old, but when I when I first played seniors at St Kilda, it was a traditional. You had an opponent. Yep. Vastly different to what it is today. Yep. Your opponent was your opponent, and I was a back pocket. Yeah. So. My job was to stop the resting Rovers, who were yep. generally pretty good players because they were midfielders. For sure, and, 100%. Um, and so my, my job was really to lock down and, and make sure that they don't get the ball. Mm. Um, so that's what I did. Mm. Um, and then eventually I started to get more confidence. and, and Started to get a kick yourself. Started to get a kick <laughs> yourself. And then you know the leg rope starts to get a bit longer and longer and your opponent's over there and you're 25 <laughs> metres yeah. in front of them because you're backing yourself in. And so I became a bit more of a, an attacking defender. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah... I guess I'm an old school footballer. I didn't talk to my opponents. I just locked down. I didn't mind grabbing a hold. Yep. If they're going to whack you, that's okay. I was just, I was yep. just going to make it difficult for them. Yeah. Um, and I found it after a game pretty hard to. Um, yeah, I wasn't a celebrator. I wasn't a rah rah rah. I just got my job to do. Yep. Focus on and and on it and uh, just get it done. It take me a little while just to re- relax after a game because I was yeah. up here. I was just so yeah, you're in focused in, yeah, in white line yeah yeah. So you said, um, you said, because <clears throat> you said like you weren't obviously the most naturally gifted bloke running around, but you had just always, um, you said you had a confidence that you would always play at the highest level. Yeah. What do you reckon, um, what do you reckon gave you that inner confidence? Because there's a lot of blokes that are the opposite, you know? Like I think I've seen a lot of blokes that are so, you would have seen yeah, yeah. more than me, so talented, uber yeah. talented, yeah. and then put them on the biggest stage and they just, something doesn't click, you know? And I think it's like, Self-doubt, pressure, you know, um, performance anxiety, I guess you could probably yep. call it. Yep. Um, I think my brother had a little bit of that. My brother was so, such a good footy player. Played stingrays, played um, really high-level rays. And, he, and I watched him play with blokes that he'd played with for his whole life who were pretty good footy players. But I always thought my brother was, I know, you know, I might be a bit biased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but he never could put it together mentally, I think. He just put yep. too much pressure on himself. Yep. Um, but yeah, what gave you that inner, like, I don't know determination or belief that you would you would make it i don't know i just um i I don't know what the answer is i just 
had this again it might have just been the fact that I was a bit naive I just yeah. assumed that yeah. this is what happens this is yeah, what, yeah, yeah. where everyone goes but yeah. um, I, yeah, my mum my and my dad my dad in particular was uh, it was very 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 supportive of, of my football and, and so were my grandparents and um, you know, I had good junior coaches mm-hmm. and I, I played in good teams mm-hmm. um, and I, I didn't mind you know um, it was almost like what's the worst can happen yeah. so Saints ring and say we want you to train one night well hang on well, can I train every night I just yeah, had yeah. that sort of and there, at the time there was guys who were much better than me as you said mm-hmm. who were killing it at local level were really skilled but I reckon some of them just were either lazy and yeah. couldn't be bothered or yeah. scared and fearful if they do and they don't make it well mm-hmm. I just had no I, I just wanted to play yeah and I wanted to play at the highest level I possibly could and if I got a, a bit of an opportunity I'll take it I mean I towards the end of my career I, you know I'd go around to Grant Thomas's house the coach at the Saints at the time and he'd, he'd have the whiteboard out and he'd say to me look mate you're not even out of top 25 and so mm. I don't care yeah um, as long as I can be on the list yeah um, Gives a I know what I can do I yep. know that I can add value I know that you know if there's injuries <clears throat> I'll be there waiting and I'd rather do that than be sitting home watching TV going oh, I probably could have played this year and look yeah. we've had half a dozen injuries and yeah. you know, I, I reckon I'm better than him and so I had that sort of again that's that belief internal belief that I had sitting there um, that helped just drive and I guess helped me last as long as I did because yeah. If they're happy to have me on the list, I don't have to be in their top 25. Yeah, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm still on the list, I'm the 40th player. I'm still there. I'm still in the environment and I'm ready to go as soon as you need me. And, yeah. and that's the way it sort of panned out in the last three or four years that you know, I just accepted that I'll, I'll be on the bench, mm-hmm. but I'm ready to go when mm-hmm. they need me. And you know, I still probably averaged 18 games a year and I was I there know. when we played finals. I'm glad that I was there as opposed to sitting home. Oh, I could have been Take there, it any day of the week. So even if the coach is telling me I'm not in the best 25, I go, yeah, okay. But <laughs> yeah. deep down, I'm going, well, I reckon But you I'm need more than, than 25, don't we you? We do. And I reckon <laughs> I'm better than him, and I reckon I'm better than him. Now, I didn't say that, but yeah. push comes to shove, I reckon I'll, I'll give you more value. And, and yeah, you've know, you got to play the young guys, I get all yeah. that. But, yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, I just, it was just an internal thing. I don't know where it's come from. It's, it's just a combination of people around me, you know, my own, my own thoughts, but also I think I worked hard enough and made it just enough right decisions um, <laughs> to... to, to get that longevity yeah it's great you had a fucking what an awesome career especially playing for the team that you grew up back for yeah what a, what a classic I, yeah now having said all that you know the reality is i could have played 300 games yeah but poor form inconsistency yeah. you know mental approach yeah um alcohol but if you're that 19 year old bloke and you and you get the call from st Kilda and you go look here's the two options you can come and put in and we'll give you we'll give you 18 years yeah. and um yeah. or you can you know have have the other option of doing whatever you know you'd probably you'd probably take the career you had yeah <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> but you could always have played 300 350 you could have won brown lines, you, you know but you had a bloody you had a bloody good run bloody awesome i had career. a good run yeah, yeah there's no nah, doubt for about sure that. um so what about when you were kind of transitioning? Because like, I feel like I'm interested to hear how it was for you because so obviously career's winding up, um, you know, thinking about what you're going to do next. But was it difficult having the luster and shine of being an AFL footy player taken away from you? I feel like for you it might not have been that difficult because <laughs> you're a very stoic bloke. You're like, oh, well, I don't care, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, but um, I feel like for a lot of blokes, you know, that's their identity. You know, yeah. a, a lot of it. And, and having that taken away, even being an... You were an AFL player is different to being an AFL player, yep. you know? Um, so for you, the transition out of footy, what was that kind of like? No, it's pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you get past 30, it's almost... 
there's lots of other things to do in life. Yeah, and, for sure. So you've had a good run. Um, like I said I, earlier, I, you know, I always had a part-time job, um, worked in warehouses, drove forklifts, uh, worked at a pub, was a brickies labourer, <laughs> um, ran programs in schools. Um, I was always doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, did some study while I was playing. You know, had, got married, had a whole bunch of kids while I was still mm-hmm. playing. So, you know, I was... It was interesting because I felt I'm ready to go. Yep. Yeah. I'm ready to go to the next stage. But then when when it happens, there's still a bit of, oh, hang on, but you, there's so many other things. I, th- I thought I was locked into one career path post-footy. Yep. Then I started thinking, well, hang on, there's there's other things I could be doing. And so that sort of gets you a little bit. In yeah, terms yeah. Of, well, hang on, do I want to go down there or what else could I be doing? But the, 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 the lack of routine in terms of going to the club was yeah. a bit weird yeah, initially. Yeah, no, for sure. But for me, I was ready to go. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. There's <laughs> yeah. no more I can do. How old were you when you retired? Uh, well, th- ter- I turned 34. Yes. Gotcha. You know, so, so that's not bad in yeah, terms of no, age. For sure. For sure. Um, I was lucky to squeeze out those last few years. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah. But I, Going around and giving Grant Thomas massages every, every yeah, couple, well, was, couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make sure. <laughs> Mate, you're not even in me 30. Wait, wait, Tomo, just <laughs> keep me on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I was, I, was, I was a bit cunning like that. I made sure I had good relationships with with most of my coaches anyway and uh you know the people at the footy club uh, particularly you know finance department and all those <laughs> so I, I no i you know i i had some good relationships at the club across the club and i i did a lot of work with the admin staff and the management of the staff which a lot of players wouldn't have had um, exposure to so yep. you know i was very much in a part of the whole club yeah. not just coming in as a player and then leaving as a player yeah. I, I'd, and obviously i'd been around a long time so um now it was, it was i, I miss playing but yeah. a, as you get older, you get a lot grumpier and yeah. you, know, why we, you start to question why we're we doing miss this, training. why we're we doing this. Yeah, yeah. I miss elements of the training, yeah. uh, but all the meeting, where, where footy's got to now, their whole year is you know, mapped to, to the minute. Yeah. And, and as a grumpy old bloke, you're sitting there going, oh, well, yeah, really? <laughs> why? You know, all yeah, those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah. So um, no, I was ready to go. That's, yeah, that's no, nah, cool. So, all right. So um, I'm not ex- exactly sure exactly... Or, um, exactly twice in a row there. Yep. Not, not sure exactly what happened post-career, what you went into, but obviously now, um, you know, you're chairman of leading teams. So what is it, um, what got you into that? And what is it about leadership that fires you up? Yep. So uh, Ray McLean is the original founder of leading teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to St Kilda Footy Club in the summer of 94, 95 to run leading teams at St Kilda for the first time. So Stan mm-hmm. Ells was our coach, mm-hmm. great coach, ahead of his time, Leading teams is, is an empowerment model, yep. and it's about culture and, 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 and leadership, but primarily around improving a team's performance. So Ray introduced the model. We're on a camp. <laughs> this is how old school we were. We're, we're, we're at a camp, pre-season camp in Lawn in, mm-hmm. in January, so middle of summer, yeah. school holidays, it's, it's pumping down there. Yeah. And you've got these AFL footballers doing their pre-season camp on the beach and all that sort of stuff. And then because we loved a beer back yeah. then... Um, Straight to the lawn pub, yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Until close and into yeah. the disco, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and get up, hung over the next morning. And I remember, and and uh, speaking to Ray since then, he you know, <clears> reflects. <throat> he, he goes, "Oh, what the hell have I done here?" Because he's trying to work with a group of you know elite mm. AFL footy players, um, and introduce this model, which is about improving performance. So a lot of us were a bit skeptical because it was going to challenge us to change behaviour. Yeah, look at our culture seriously, do an audit. You know what. You know, what are we accepting from each other that we shouldn't, particularly if we want to go from here to here as a football club. Mm-hmm. Um, then look at ourselves as individuals, but in an open way. So mm-hmm. you know, being able to give each other feedback around performance and behaviour mm-hmm. and your buy-in to where the team's going. So that got introduced to St Kilda in 94, 95. Now, 
we'd, I think we'd just recently won a wooden spoon. We're a basket case. Yeah. Um, despite having good people in there <clears throat> and some good players as mm. a collective, we weren't great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then by '97, we're playing in the grand final. So. Yeah. I really enjoyed Ray. Mm-hmm. Ray's facilitation. We built a strong relationship. He then started to train some of the players as facilitators to go out into the community and run life skill programs. So mm-hmm. I'd go out and run multiple sessions with the same group of kids who are at risk of leaving school, mm-hmm. um, you know, come from broken homes, um, used to go and work in the adolescent, adolescent um, uh, uh, jail system, yep. uh, worked in the adult system as well, mm-hmm. uh, worked with the, um, the club as a facilitator. So I, I developed those skills with Ray mm-hmm. while he was at the club. Uh, and then I just started working with leading teams sort of on a casual um, basis. And so Ray was working at a number of different clubs mm-hmm. and, and training athletes from different sports to then be able to go and facilitate in the mm-hmm. community. And so then f- from facilitating, I progressed to then supervising other athletes out in different schools or mm-hmm. uh, communities. And then from there, started to work with um, you know, the prisoners and the corporates did all that while I was playing. Prisoners in the corporate. Yeah, well, <laughs> actually, some of them are the same. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's just not in jail yet. No, that's right. <laughs> um, and so that became my career progression. That's yep. what I became passionate about, helping people try and improve, use my own experience of where I haven't been my best, but also mm-hmm. where I've been able to make change and improve. All right, cool. So leading teams, obviously, for you guys at St Kilda Footy Club is obviously about performance in, um, in, a, in the sporting arena and, and as individuals, which is going to yep. roll into your sporting arena. And, and obviously, <clears throat> you know, People can probably pretty easily apply that to, you know, the corporate world and, and you know, C-level leadership and trickling down to, you know, whatever, departments yep. and, and so forth. But so I'm quite interested in what you said about, you know, helping troubled youths and so forth and people that will need to get back on their feet after they get out of prison, for example. Yep. So, like, in terms of leading teams, like, on, a, on, a, on an actual um, logistical basis when you're out with these groups, what are you actually trying to do? What are you, what are you going through with them? What does it actually look like? So we have a model that we use regardless of who we're working with. So it doesn't uh-huh. matter what type of team or industry. Um, it's our, what we call a high-performing teams model. Yep. And so there'll be different parts of that model that be more relevant depending on the team. But, but essentially, we use that model regardless of who we're working with. So the, 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 the foundation of what we're doing is to help people improve mm-hmm. wherever their improvement may lie. So yep. when we're working with teams or communities... Um, and teams from a sport or you know, grassroots, elite or from a corporate perspective, it's about the dynamic of how that community or team operate. And mm-hmm. so when we talk about dynamics, it's about people, mm-hmm. how they interact, relate, talk to each other, mm-hmm. how, they, how, how they can provide feedback, support, how they challenge each other. Uh, it's about behaviour. You know, it's about leadership and it's about the culture of that team. So, so culture is a lot of things, but for us, it's really around the behaviour that gets rewarded is the culture. Mm-hmm. So I could come into your team and very quickly work out how I need to behave to fit in. Mm-hmm. Some of that behaviour, when you think about the culture of football clubs, example, yeah. in the old days, it was about to fit in, I've got to tell a really good story Monday about what I did on Saturday. 100%. Night. Or I've got to be able to trump what you did at the footy trip yeah. yesterday. Yeah. I'm going to do double that tomorrow. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. that gets me acceptance. Mm-hmm. And that... If you can get a kick, that's a bonus. Yeah. So being oh. a good bloke, handle your grog, mm-hmm. be able to tell stories was part of how you could fit in. Mm-hmm. Now, it's changed a lot since then. Yep. But in a corporate space, you know, I've worked with corporate teams and very quickly you work out, okay, to fit in here, you're allowed to be aggressive. You're allowed to ignore people. You can turn up late. You can leave early. You can, mm-hmm. you know, you can white ant people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that 
gets rewarded because no one challenges it and it's just part of yeah. how they operate. Okay, yeah. so over time, even though that, that might sound <clears throat> or look foreign to me, I get inducted into that. People around me do it. The leaders do it. Okay, well, if I want to stay here and fit in, well, then that's how I'll behave. So, yeah. so our model just helps teams to understand what they do well and what's mm-hmm. productive, mm-hmm. what's counterproductive, particularly if we recognise this is where we're at now and this is where we want to be. Mm-hmm. So at the Saints, at, at, um, you know, one of our camps down in Warrnambool, we got locked away in a room for three days, no windows, and we basically locked ourselves in there until we came out with an agreement around what we, where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And we described ourselves horrendously we're a bucket of shit we how would the opposition describe us we couldn't even come up words that were worse than the ones that we'd use to describe ourselves yeah okay where do we want to be how do we want to be described a lot different huge gap all right Mm -hmm. so what needs to change and so improving performance is not just dynamics also what we call mechanics so game plan might have to change or we need Mm -hmm. a new policy or procedure or we have to do a different org chart or Mm -hmm. we have to develop a different strategy so all of that combined leads to improved performance so it's facilitated approach so I go in, I can have a chalkboard. I mm-hmm. used to have a chalkboard in the old mm-hmm. days. We have whiteboards. And I just have a texter and I've got questions. Yep. And I ask the group questions. I ask individual, And then ultimately facilitate a discussion that leads them to getting the outcomes that they want around where their improvement lies. That's interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I, again, like you've, I've said this a number of times in the show, I fully understand the footy club um, aspect of that. You know, yeah. um, I grew up at a, a club where footy trip was the be all and end all and I went on one when I was 19 when we won the flag or 20 and um and I said I'm not going on one of them again and uh and I was the I was like one of the boys 100% and um but I just didn't like what I saw but I was like the the odd one out and I was like I was still one of the boys and it was no it was no worries but I was looked down upon from like the hierarchical you know because uh, it was so old school and it's one of the real problems of the, of the club that I um, that I played at. So um, so when you're going into like a... <clears throat> so when you're going into... Again, I'll go back to the troubled use and like... Um, and people that are in the, in, the, in the slammer. So when you got people like that, how do you try and get through to those guys? Like how do you... Because I feel like there's definitely going to be at a high-level sporting club and there's going to be... Uh, sorry, at a high-level sporting club and at a corporate culture, there's going to be a lot of acceptance like we want this person in because we want to get a certain result and he's going to help us or that his team's going to help us. But when you're going into something that's like... Um, something that's on the other side of the system, which is, you know... Troubled, troubled youths and troubled adults. Yep. How do you get through to those guys? What are the techniques that you use to, yep. to get buy-in? Um, honesty, being genuine, yep. and being willing to share your story. Yep. So for me to be able to stand in front of a group of teenagers or a group of, uh, whether they're at school or whether they're inmates or adults in, in, inside jail, you know, you've got to be genuine because they can sniff out bullshit pretty quickly, as yeah. can a corporate group, as can yeah. a, a sporting group. If you're getting out the front, you're, you're preaching to them. So a lot of it is about sharing your own experience of what you've done well, mm-hmm. where it hasn't worked for you, mm-hmm. what have you done. So being open and genuine, being prepared to share and being a bit vulnerable in front of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are just like you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I remember working in the prisons and looking at people going, well, what have you done to get in here? Yeah, like you, yeah. you seem like a half-decent bloke that yeah, I can have yeah. a beer with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you, when sure. you find out what they're in for, like, then it's a challenge to be able to then treat them as human beings mm. because of you, know, you have personal views on yeah, <laughs> certain things. So, so it's yeah. about being open and genuine and sharing your stories. <clears throat> but the, the focus for, for those groups in particular was about 
getting them to understand you know, actions, consequences, understanding who their network is. Do they, are they productive for them? Are they counterproductive? Mm-hmm. Who, who have they got really that they can go to for support? Setting goals. And you know, I remember working with some of the prisoners and, and who had never read, uh, read a book. Mm-hmm. And so it was about helping them set goals. And you know, one prisoner says, well, I, I want to read a book. Mm-hmm. And so you just go through them you know, in terms of a process around how you might set a goal and how you, yep. who could help you with that goal and, 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 and those sort of life skill things. So... Mm-hmm. The other thing you've got to understand is it doesn't matter which group you go into, not everyone's going to buy into it. Yeah. So that's okay. Like anything, yeah. Can you, can you help them buy into it a little bit more than what they have? Can you shift them at all? Maybe you can't shift them. So if I can't shift you, you know, potentially I focus on the ones that I can mm-hmm. get some. Mm-hmm. And so you, you may not get someone that goes from here to here you know, in a straight line. Rarely will you. It's just about getting them to cope a bit better with setting some goals, understanding that they won't always get those. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you're frustrated? Now, clearly some of these people have done extreme things to get into jail. Yeah. Some of them, um, you know, from a mental point of view, mm-hmm. um, some of them don't don't possess rational thought. You know, yeah. if, if I you know, get frustrated, the first thing I don't think about doing is getting a meat cleaver. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, you're able to rationalise. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's some of those people need... I'm not there to fix all their issues, but yeah, yeah. some of them are, are open to, again, talking about being open to just... They're here for a period of time. How can they use it in a meaningful way as opposed to the culture of some prison systems, if not all, is to don't embrace improvement programs. Mm -hmm. Don't do extra training and development. Just do your time. And and we we had to try and identify some influential prisoners, some of the older, more experienced ones who were more open to doing training and development, whether Mm -hmm. they were getting out or not, to encourage the younger ones coming in to Mm -hmm. not leave worse off of being in, which is really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because the weight of numbers might suggest that no, no, we don't embrace programs. So that's an extreme example, but that happens in a corporate space as well. Yeah, it can happen in a sporting team as well. There's the, the, oh, that, for that sure. hierarchy or that influence of senior people, regardless of what we espouse, regardless of what's what's written on the wall, regardless of what's in the manual. This is really how we do things here. Yeah, we do it our way. And the fish rots, or fish rots from the head, really. Yeah, correct. The fish rots from the head. So just just on the prison system and the, and the troubled use and so forth. So. Do you actually, um, is there times when you've been able to check in on a second and third and fourth occasion or like see, not the end result because the person's never an end result, but like see something that's really like made you feel, fuck, I really reckon I made a, 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 a positive change in this person. Yep. You know, on the, yep. on the, you know, kids coming out of juvie or, you know, blokes coming out of prison and, and getting yep. back on their feet and stuff like that. Do you see that? Yeah. So, so one of the things about <coughs> leading teams, we don't do one-offs. So... You know, in the in the um, early days, as an as an AFL footballer, you know, there's lots of things you go and do. Um, you go to schools, you go to local communities, you turn up, you do some good stuff, you mm-hmm. throw the football footy around, you talk to them, then you leave. Mm-hmm. But leading teams, what we do is we we have ongoing programs. So the stuff yep. that I was doing with prisoners or um, you know um, at schools was repeat visits. So yep. you're seeing the same people over yeah, and over yeah. again because of that's great. You don't change behaviour. Uh, by, you know, just in a four-hour block. In a good talk, someone yeah. on their soapbox going, well, you should do this, this and this yeah. and look at me, I've done this, this yeah. and this. So, Give them some uh, level of accountability, I guess. Accountability. If you, if you know that you're coming back in three months' time or whatever the time yeah. frame is. And it allows you as a facilitator <coughs> to build relationships and mm. trust and they, they get a sense that you're invested in them. And so, you know, there were some examples of people that clearly had embraced what you're doing and, and, you, and you come back in and part of the process of coming back in, again, regardless of who you work with, is just to review, well, what's happened since? Mm-hmm. What have you done? How does that feel? Mm-hmm. Um, um, what haven't you done? Why haven't you done that? What's, what's still getting in the way of you being... And so you, you, you work with them around the things that they've either done or not done. 
uh, and then make some extra com commitments and then they go back to doing what they're doing. You come back again in a month's time, whatever the time frame is, mm -hmm. and you, you're just getting into that review, 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 mm -hmm. and then addressing things that <coughs> you're open to addressing and there's some things that perhaps you, know, you can't change. But um, that's how our model works. It's the mm -hmm. repeat and it requires investment from the individual. It requires investment from the business or the team um, and time and space to be able to have these conversations. And that's generally driven by the owners or the leaders seeing value in dynamics, mm. seeing mm. value in relationships, seeing mm. value in... We're busy, but we're going to stop and just sit down and just talk about how we're actually going, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not everyone's into that and don't, doesn't see that as a way of improving performance, which is, which is okay. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, moving into the kind of... Well, you can talk about um, sporting realm, um, corporate and business and so forth, but in your eyes, and there's probably a number of different ways to answer this question, a number of different character traits, but what, what is a good leader? What makes a good leader? Some of, the, some of the things that you're like, this is how to lead from the front. This is how to get people to buy into what we're doing. This is how to get yep. people to follow, follow you. Yep. So having lived with the leading teams model f for the best part of 20-odd years, it's fairly ingrained and in me and so it, it won't shift too far from the lean team's model but look the leaders that I admire the ones that I think about um, that I've been exposed to and as a, as a player and as a person I've been exposed to lots and lots of leaders the ones that I admire most are the ones that are genuine mm -hmm. uh, they are generally interested in you they invest time and effort in you, um, um, you know, they know your partner's name mm -hmm. Uh, they might know your kid's name, so when they, they ring or they talk to you, it's actually at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. um, they're good for their words, so I trust them. Mm -hmm. That when they say something, I trust that they'll follow through. Yep. Um, um, they, they're good at what they do, but they don't have to be world's best, yeah. and, and they take responsibility. So mm -hmm. I, I trust a leader that has skills to do their job, mm -hmm. and I trust a leader that can apply those skills, particularly under pressure. We're, we're under mm -hmm. the pump. The leader mm -hmm. doesn't go to water. The leader's got skills, apply them, um, but also is human and will make mistakes and get things yeah. wrong, and, and I, I value leaders that are able to put their hand up and go, look, I, I fucked that up. Mm -hmm. uh, have my time again I'll do something different so that level of transparency openness you know, vulnerability mm -hmm. selfless trust um, and a leader that's invested you know in their people I, from a leadership style I, I like leaders and I, I think I work best with leaders who allow the team the people to have more ownership yep as opposed to just autocratic dictatorship yep there's times when the leader <coughs> needs to tell people what to do I get that yep um but I do value leaders that uh, trust their people. Mm. They get people around them that have skills and knowledge, let them use it yep. and create an environment where we, we share that knowledge and experience and work mm. together. So that's a long answer to your question. No, nah, it's a good answer though. I'm actually fascinated by leadership. Yep. I, I've started a, um, started a company that I ran for about five years, which I shut down a year ago. Um, and I, was, I led that company. Um, I started another company with a buddy and his wife and, um, and I'm CEO, we have a team of 13. Um, and so my job is to be a leader, you know? I'm not particularly skilled in one particular one thing, yep. um, but for us to do well, I have to have, I, I, you know, I really, I'm not obsessed with it, but I, I'm very much, um, very interested in, and, and that's, I'm actually really interested in this whole, whole conversation for that, for that reason. But uh, um, one of your points that you mentioned there was, um, 
you know, knowing your people and, and actually caring about your people and so forth. And I have an example of um, something that really stuck with me and has never left me, which was, um, this is way before I'd started any companies or anything like that and really thought much deeply about leadership. But um, one of my best mates, um, Corey, so he, he, his uncle Brad um, was a um, landscaper and he was doing some work in the city for Lindsay Fox. Yep. And um, Lindsay Fox... Um, yeah, he'd, Brad had done a lot of work for him and knew him pretty well. And Corey was with Brad this day. Corey was like 16 or 17. And Lindsay came out and he's like, oh, good day, Brad. And, and Brad's like, oh, this is my, this is my, um, this is my um, nephew, Corey, Lindsay. And he's like, oh, yeah, good day, Corey. How you going? What do you do with yourself, Corey? And Corey's like, oh, Corey's an elite cricketer. Played like county cricket and stuff. Yeah. Um, didn't play higher than that, but bloody good cricketer. And he was 16 and he was playing in Country Week. So that's, yep. you know, Country yeah, Week? Yeah. yeah, it's the equivalent of like, obviously, yep. for people listening, it's equivalent of um, representative cricket, um, yep. higher grade cricket. And anyway, so Corey was 16 and he was playing in the Senior Country Week. And he was like, oh, you know what, Lindsay? Well, actually, I'm, I'm playing Country Week this week. It's my first time. I'm pretty nervous. And, and Lindsay's like, oh, mate, that's unreal. And asked him lots about it and so forth. You know, they had a five, 10 minute chat. And then... Corey played that country week and, and started playing cricket all around the world and had a <clears throat> good career or whatever. And then for whatever reason, because I think, think Lindsay Fox has a... I don't remember the exact, uh, the exact details of the, the second meeting, but I think it might have been when Lindsay might have a... Um, I think he's got a holiday house in Sereno. Yeah, he's probably got a holiday house in Sereno. Yeah, yeah, and Port yep. C and Blair Gary, right. <laughs> but, um, but Corey bumped into him because yep. Corey lives in Sereno. Corey bumped into him. This is five or six years later yep. and Lindsay walked up to him and said, Corey, how are you, mate? Geez, I haven't seen you yep. since, buddy. You yep. and Brad up at my joint. He goes, how did you go in that country week? Did you make some runs? I've been wanting to know this whole time. Yep. And Corey said, he, he, I don't know if he called me or whether it was just, I got goosebumps thinking yeah, of talking yeah, about it. Yeah. And Corey said to me, he goes, mate, you fucking never guess what happened to me today. Yep. And he told me how it made him feel. He goes, I know why this bloke's so successful. He goes, that made me feel better than anyone's ever made me feel in my whole entire life, regardless if it's one of the richest men in Australia or just yeah. some bloke off the street. Yeah. You know, for, to six years later from a chance meeting, five yeah. or 10 minute conversation. Yeah. And that stuck with me forever. Yeah. You know, it really did. And I, before starting companies, I, I've got a bit of a shit memory. So I used to, um, I still do it to this day. If I go to a new gym or a new co-working space or a new place where I'm meeting like 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 new people, I take notes in my phone for people yeah. like, you know, Frankie, like name's, name's not actually Frankie, um, Silver Fox, Beard, Played AFL, yeah. you know, like, and, but I'll never really have to refer to them, but I, it, yeah, yeah. when I see it, I've also yeah. heard it and I see it as well and it, it kind of a bit, yep. bit more ingrained and I try and take that pretty seriously because it's always been something, I've always had a shitty memory, but I know the impact that listening to people, caring, showing that you've heard them and, and you, you know, you yeah. want to genuinely know about them yeah. is so powerful. Fuck, it's awesome. So, so it's interesting because, and I love that story because I work with a lot of leaders, and I often challenge them around, you know, would would your people, the people you deal with, or the people that you come across, would they think that you're genuine when you're speaking to them? Yeah. And it, and if they do, or if you feel that they're genuine and they see you as genuine, then that's a great thing from a leadership. They'll they'll follow you. They'll they'll trust what you're saying. All mm -hmm. those sorts of things. Um, and how do you get that? Well being interested and in what does genuine look like it means when you have a conversation with someone a week later a month later six years later mm. being able to make some sort of link to what you've chatted about yeah. shows to them you cared you're interested it was yeah. a real genuine conversation they would walk it has a profound impact yeah and so that's a great example and I, it's a skill yeah definitely. because because when i first started facilitating you know i was terrible at remembering 
I might have 30 people in the room and, and so I'd lose track pretty quickly. Yeah. So I did the same as you. I, I'd, I'd meet people, I'd shake their hand, say their name a couple of times, go back to my book, write their name down, anything about them that you know, sticks out, you know, yep. silver beard, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd scan the room and I'd go, okay, yep, 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 yep. And then I'd practice using that and, and then, you know, move away from using name tags to not having any name tags even in a group of 30 or 40 mm-hmm. and be able by the, by the end of the day know everyone's names and know something about them. So yep. again, I'm going to work with them again in a month's time, being able to go back and say, oh, so you know, how was that weekend or mm-hmm. how was that, how did that end up for you and being mm-hmm. able to make those connections. That for me is one of the, you know, Lindsay Fox didn't fall out of bed as a baby and bang his head and all of a sudden he's really good at remembering things six years yeah, yeah, yeah. apart. He, he understands it as well. He understands it. it's important to him and yeah. it's a trait that he wants and sees himself as a genuine, you know, yeah. leader. So 100%. he works at it, and he would have been at, at a time not that great at it. Yeah. And so that's try. That's the stuff I try and you know pass to leaders that you. A lot of this stuff is just skill based. It's not mm. personality based. It's mm. you can recognise that you're not great at remembering names and do something about it. Yeah. Um, and that's and, interesting. It's not skill based. Yeah. Because yeah, I think a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people no, of think they because they think of like they think of sport. People go to sport. And you go, oh, that person was born to be a leader. Yep. But it's maybe like, yeah, that person might have also been six foot four and 100 kilos and knew how to, you know, and yep. people followed him for that. And then these leadership skills kind of were dragged along with yep. that, you know? So, um, yeah, that's interesting because well, I feel yeah. like... I, th- I think it's a, it's a combination yeah, of yeah, 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 your environment sure. and all that sort of stuff. And, yep. But at the end of the day, leadership isn't just about the person that's got the title. Anyone can be a leader. It's just what does leadership look like here? What do we value? What do we reward? Mm-hmm. What's the reference point? And, and you can show leadership by role modeling you know, the behavior that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, but the behavior is a skill. It's a learned thing. You, you yeah. learn behavior. Yeah. And, and behavior of asking people questions and the behavior of list, really listening to what they've got to say and recalling that, that's all skill-based stuff. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's easy to do for everybody. Yeah. Um, and some people come across as a bit more natural, and there's a bit of that, but there's also a skill component to it. So it's 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 challenging people that just isolate the the fact that someone's probably worked really hard to mm-hmm. develop that skill. They just haven't got it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just want to put into either. Oh, they're just natural. They're just born that way. Well, yeah. No, not quite. Yeah. Interesting. So in all your time, um, and maybe you know, sports probably going to be a big part of this at, at St Kilda, but. Who are some of the leaders that you've been around that you've, you know, that you've been like, man, that's 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 a real leader there, and 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 why? You got any examples? Um, well, I'm gonna you'll leave people out when you start to come up with um, examples, but yeah, you know, one guy I will mention, and and he's actually a good mate of mine, but but Jason Cripps was a player at St Kilda Footy Club and had yep. a couple of horrendous uh, hamstring off the bone injuries yep. that derailed his career and, but he came back from being told he'd never play again and all that stuff. it's a great story um, but he, his leadership was based around a little bit around what he would say and how he would challenge people um, and uh, you know, try to influence people to, to make better choices around you know, preparation in particular and being disciplined and committed to your training and your preparation um, and I ended up living with Cripper for, for a little while, mm-hmm. um, many years ago. And no coincidence that my diet got better, <laughs> yeah. my training got better. Yeah, he had a high level of influence. Yeah. And, and I followed what his lead. I followed what he yep. did. He wasn't the captain. Yep. Um, it's just ba- and, that, and that had a big impact on, mm-hmm. on, on me in terms of how I went about my football and how I saw my football. I wasn't an angel. I didn't always make yeah. the best choices. Yeah, yeah. But from a leadership perspective it's not someone who who's the captain or the or the, or the coach or the best player you know, yeah. best player it's just someone who who 
we've got an expectation around how we go about things and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's anyone who can role model that and influence others to do the same. And, and, mm-hmm. and so leadership's about having followers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I followed Cripper for a period of time when we were you know, training and, and playing and, li- and living together. He was influential. I followed him and I got better as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of our captains over the time, you know, Spud Frawley I, I loved and was close to and, um, you know, he was my first captain and mm-hmm. I played beside him in the back pocket and he was my full back and yeah. he was a huge man yeah, yeah. and very scary man and he would not hesitate to let you know if, if things weren't going well or mm-hmm. if, if I'd done something that was outside what he would have expected mm-hmm. but he was great at the follow-up mm-hmm. so he might give me a you know, clip. spray, yep. clip but if it wasn't at quarter time or a half time or it'd be after the game or during the week and he'd come yep. up and say, listen, reason I said that to you Blah blah blah, and he he talked to you, and yep. he, he again he was invested. He he, yep. he doesn't have to do that. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm a young bloke. He can just have a crack. Yeah, earn your stripes. But he was more invested in that, and yep. so again built strong relationships. Um, and again, that just goes back to the, the stuff we we're talking about before about you know what I what I value in, in leadership or what leadership looks like. And so there's just a couple of examples that I'd use. Yeah, I think they're great examples, and I think I really like the Jason Cripps example because it's not as you said he wasn't a vice captain, a captain, a coach, or the best player. But he was a leader, yep. you know, because people, I think a lot of the time, you know, people, regular, everybody listening to this show, you know, they're not going to spend bugger all their week thinking about how do I become a better leader? You yep. know, like this, just because it's probably not what they're invested in in their life yep. at, the, at the time. But I think <clears throat> in anything in sport and in the corporate world and, and so on and so forth, I think you, yeah, it was, it was a great example because you can be a leader. You can show leadership and you can get people to follow you. I, I, um, yeah. The environment, though, has to allow people to be able to do that. Yeah. So the, the environment allows a cripper or anyone in mm-hmm. your business or your, or your team, it's okay for me to role model this. It's okay for me not to have played 100 games mm-hmm. or not, I've not sold the most stuff, uh, you know, the most cars or yep. whatever it might be. But I, but I believe in our trademark, our values, our, mm-hmm. our, 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 um, our behavioural statement. And I live and breathe as best I can. And that, that's leadership in itself. And yep. If I see something, I feel compelled to say something about it or do something about yep. it. Um, the, the, the environment, the team, the, the, the culture, the organisation allows people to do that as opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, I see something, I reckon I've got a player, I've got a, a team member that's not doing what they should be doing. The manager or the coach or the CEO or the HR will fix that. Yeah. Now, we've got an environment where it frees us up. There's no real hierarchy We've got an org chart, but we don't yep. defer to that. We yep. defer to our behaviour, our trademark, our, our values mm. to guide us. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I um, that I did poorly with my first company was we had no brand values, no um, no direction in that regard for any yep. of our employees. So like everything, nothing smelled and fa- it, the brand looked pretty and and you know to the outside looking, but it just it never for me was there was never any congruency. There was never enough autonomy within the team because they didn't have that that structure. So one of the first things that, one of the things I've done a lot of things poorly in in my my current company, but we myself and Drew, um, one of my co-founders, we sat down and we spent a lot of time going through right. What are the brand values that we have here? And and okay, cool. What does that mean for how we actually enact with our people? You know, um, it might not be the right word, but you know, how do we communicate? What what communication style do we use? what is our why and what is our singularity, you know, and, and, and yeah. dripped all the way down to, you know, one, one sentence, one phrase that everybody inside, you know, we, we hope that everybody, okay, if this decision is going to influence 
our values, is it going to influence it positively or negatively? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, I think, yeah, that's a, for me, has been a, a massive positive move in like my, my skills, I guess, as yeah. an entrepreneur, is knowing that. Um, and it just gives you a foundation to, I guess, build upon. And I think um, my old footy club, um, it, it's a real old school footy club. Mm. And one of my really good buddies is now coach. And um, they're really struggling. Rye is where I played. Yep. And they've always been a, a, a really, not super successful as in winning flags all the time, but they've always been a strong club, yep. so on and so forth. And, you know, and there's a lot of good people down there. And, and I'm not here to th- throw stones, but they're going through a period where they're not having great success. And the vibe around the club, you know, isn't, isn't super. And I really feel like they're kind of maybe a little bit stuck in the 90s, you know, and the 80s and 90s kind yep. of vibe. And, and I feel like... The number one thing that, you know, Rye could do with would be, you know, a rebrand and actually laying out the foundations of, hey, this is what we yep. want to try and do for the... And I think it has a lot to do with the junior kids coming up and, and this is what we want to achieve. We want to be a... And if I was to have a crack at it, you know, we want to be a safe, fun, engaging environment for people to grow and have a community and so on and so yep. forth. But I just feel like they're just lacking something there. And I feel like if they had... Like if you went in there and you spent X amount of time, whatever it is, for three-hour sessions with the, the leadership, you know, and, and, and the, the guys, but, like, maybe, you know, you would end up revolutionising the way that, you know, I just think that's what they need. Yep. And they would be able to build on that and, and, yep. and get so, more success over time. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think every team, there's value or organisation, there's value in understanding and, and what you've done with your business is understanding why do we exist, what do we stand for, what do we expect in terms of, you know, behaviour, mm. what's that going to look like? And, and then using that as your culture, that's what we'll reward, that's what we'll role model as the owners or the leaders of the business or the, the president and the coach or the, the committee of the, the, you know, the Rye Footy Club and the captain. Mm-hmm. If we've got that clarity, we've got people on board, then we use that for everything else that happens inside our business or our football club. Mm-hmm. And so that then should lead to who our leaders are. So, you know, we help teams to openly select their leaders and using... You know, the, the reference point, the statement, the behavioural framework, the values, the behaviours, the brand as a criteria for what leadership needs to look like. Mm-hmm. Select your leaders. Identify the, the ones that perhaps have, are our real leaders in line with what we've agreed to. Then use you know, your brand, your trademark, your purpose, your behavioural uh, framework to then identify who should we recruit, who should we keep, mm-hmm. how we then induct people in because mm-hmm. new people coming in need to see the congruency. Yep particularly from leaders yep. and the most influential members that they that this stuff that's on the wall or that, that we got told in the recruitment is actually real because yep. I've walked in and you can see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then that'll then help us actually play the game or do our job, mm-hmm. helps us perform. And then eventually we all exit and we'll exit better off for having been part of a football club or an organisation that, that has a strong culture, that has strong leadership, mm-hmm. aligned, productive, et cetera, et cetera, safe, mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. And so... That, that framework that you talk about that you've developed for your business is, is, the, is the call to arms, it's the cornerstone, it should underpin everything or overlay everything that happens inside your business. We've got a business decision to make, yeah, but how's that sit in line with yeah. what we're espousing? Yeah. Well, it doesn't. Okay, well, then let's not spend any time on it. Yeah. Well, I can see old mate over there spending a lot of time on stuff that I don't know if that actually fits in with why we really do exist. Yeah. You know, do we have an environment collectively or do I have a relationship that's safe enough and strong enough to then go and t- chat to that bloke or that person mm-hmm. or that woman mm-hmm. around why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Poor teams don't. Mm. 
the strong teams have a clear reference point for what they stand for, why they why they exist, what they expect in terms of behaviour, and then they just they filter that through everything that happens. Mm. Don't always get it right, and sometimes yeah. you drift, mm-hmm. but then it, you've got that there to get you back on track. Mm-hmm. Had a bad month, game wise, we've we've lost four in a row. You know, are we really using our trademark to 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 address what's really going on? Because it won't always be, um, you know, we missed a kick or you know something in the workplace. It'll be the fact that. Our captain and our coach don't talk yeah. openly enough. Yeah. Well, the players won't give each other feedback on the field. You know, we're, we're, we're whinging after a game about mm-hmm. old mate over there. Mm-hmm. Well, high-performance environment creates the safety to be able to engage and the clarity and the expectation. So high-level expectation, high-level accountability and then high level of leadership to be able to make all that work. Yep. No, I love it. Um, <clears throat> all right, Frankie. Well, we, we do want to get you out of here... Um, one of these days. So I want to ask you a couple of things before we go. Firstly, um, this used to be one of the questions that I ask every guest. We used to have a little rapid fire yep. segment, but I actually am just particularly interested in um, asking you this. So any books that you recommend or leadership books that have really grabbed you on you, um, yeah, you recommend yep. to others? <clears throat> well, Leading Teams has got a couple of books out. Yep, there you go. <laughs> no. Plenty uh, of time to plug at the end of the show, yeah, mate. Yeah, sure, sure. No <laughs> okay. Um, look, the one that's funny because I, I was um, chatting to my wife about this yesterday. There's one book that I... Uh, reference regularly um, Man's Search for Meaning yep I've Victor, read that yeah Victor Frank yep. I, I just love that book yeah it's great um, and I challenge clients around some of the stuff that's in that, in that book on, on a regular basis so that's permanently beside my bed yep um, I'm encouraging my kids to read it as mm-hmm. well um, so that for me is the almost that's not a bible but it's yep. a, it's the book that I go to quite a bit just to straighten me up a little bit yep. personally yep uh, but also when I when I listen to people talk um, man search for meaning so I've, I've just um, finished reading uh, Neil Danaher's book oh yeah yeah so that that's great yeah um, cool again just some good insights around leadership mm-hmm. you know I, I, I like to read lots of different and, and, and watch lots of different things around leadership and you know you, you throw it in and then you filter out the bits that you don't agree with um, or don't it doesn't, doesn't resonate and then you know you start to um, I guess gather some real good inter, intel around what what leadership looks like for you. So, so Man's Search for Many is probably the one that I really uh, focus on. There's other books. I mean, I've read lots of books, but mm. that's the one for me that I'd... If anyone hasn't read it, I'd encourage them strongly to go away. And um, Too soon... Too late, smart, too soon old or something like that. I can't remember. It's That's a great book. Mm-hmm. Just life lessons. Yep. How we get uh, old too quick and smart too late <laughs> yeah. in, in a lot of, the, of what we do but uh, yeah there's a couple of books that I yeah, yeah. enjoy reading I really like uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People Yep, that's my I remember I listened to it I didn't read yep. it I listened to it on Audible yep. and um, I remember listening to it and being so blown away the simplest stuff you could ever imagine you yep. know just how to interact with people and actually yep. care about what they're saying yep. lots of that stuff that we were talking about earlier and that's the one I've listened to it Again, I said to myself, I want to listen to this every six months for the rest of my life when I first yeah. listened to it, yeah. and I haven't done that. Yeah, yeah. But I've listened to it a second time, and I will listen to it a third and a fourth, and I'll, yeah. I'll read it. And, and I, I just, um, that's kind of my, my go to for that stuff to straighten me up, I guess, like it, to use your phrase. So, all right. Um, so, what's the future look like for you? What are you, what are you in five years' time, like, you know? You got yep. any goals, aspirations? You just love what you're doing now? Yeah, um, definitely not to have any more kids. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my... I'd be very surprised <laughs> if we did, to be honest. Um, so, look, uh, leading teams, going through some growth at the moment. I've just taken on the chairman's role, so I'm sort of learning and transitioning into that. So, 
uh, we had a conversation only a week ago at leading teams around what we'll look like in three, four, five years' time. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting for us, going through a bit of a growth uh, phase. Um, more active. Mm-hmm. So I, I love my surfing. Uh, I love being outside. Um, it's just managing that because it's very easy to get really busy and travel yeah, a lot for work and all those sorts sure. of things. So I'm making sure I, as I as I you know get into my fifties that um, you know I'm getting that that right in terms of the amount of time I'm spending doing the things that I should be really doing, yeah, which yeah. is spending time with family and, and friends and having and a good time, having a good time on your own. Um, but outside of that, it's it's sort of just business as usual. As you know, some more family holidays would yep. be good. Um, once they all start to get uh, part-time jobs, they can start to pay for themselves <laughs> just, to, just to help me out. Yeah, a seven bit. must be a bit of a bit yeah, of a whack to the yeah, to the can back be, pocket. It can be. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so outside of the business growing and um, you know some some more time personally for me and and, and my wife and the kids, to sort of uh, steady as she goes, really. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. No worries. And um, lastly, where can people find you? Anything um, around, you know, leading teams and, and stuff that you're doing personally? People will be interested in, you know, from the show. Where can they find out more? Well, they just go to our website. That's got everything that they need to know. Um, Leadingteams.net.au or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not very... I think it's uh, .com.au, mate. Actually, com. I think I was in there earlier. <laughs> very good. Maybe you should tell people where they can find me. So, um, no, the website has everything and... Um, uh, yeah, I'm obviously on LinkedIn and Instagram and all those sorts of things. Yep. Um, uh, so easily accessible. Uh, so if anyone wants to reach out, I'm happy to chat. Always happy to chat. Sounds good. All right, Frankie Peggett, it's been a pleasure. No, pleasure. Thank you. And, uh, and that's a wrap. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that show, please tell a friend. Please subscribe. Please do all the things that will help us grow. Um, also, don't forget to check out trueprotein.com.au. Use the code BRO at checkout for 10% off. Also, head to yeti.com.au forward slash BRO. Check out the best coolers in the business. And then lastly, check out Athena. That's Athena with a Y. Athena.co. Use the code BRO in the inquiry form there when you, when you set up a demo and you'll get 20 hours free of our virtual assistant services. See you next week.